Welcome back to Franchise Audio. This is your boy, Eddie. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for another week. This is Jesus coming at you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. I got to say, we're kind of on a roll, Jay. Another week, another guest. Super excited for this one, especially. Yeah, so... The smartest one out of all three, I would say. For sure. I think Abel was probably the dumbest one, but Abel's our boy, so we're going to excuse him. (laughs) And... Just joking, of course, but we do have Lynette uh, Santana. She's actually someone that just recently wrote a book called Lifeline. So we decided to bring on the podcast. I'm going to give her a chance to introduce herself because there is a little bit you guys want to get to know her, I'm sure. But anyway, Lynette, go ahead. Hey, (laughs) y'all. I'm Lynette. Uh, My name's Lynette Santana. And yes, I did just write a book. It is called Lifeline. Um... Just super excited to be on with you guys. Thank you for having me. Y'all are great. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course, of course. And, you know, like with our guests that we like to do, we just like to ask a couple like icebreaker questions, you know, just rapid fire, you know, nothing too serious. Okay, so love or money? Shit. (laughs) Love. Okay. Going in or or, uh, going out or staying in? Going out. Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, okay, so you might I might say it's wrong. H- Hagen Days, Hagen Dazs, Hagen Dazs, Hagen Dazs, Hagen Dazs, Dulce de Leche. Oh, oh that's, 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 wow, that's probably the best answer we'll ever get. Like for <laughs> sure, I love that one. Books or movies? Movies. Okay, I can't get mad at that. Summer <laughs> or winter? Summer. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Favorite word? Okay. And childhood crush. Oh my god, Edward Cullen. Really? <laughs> everyone everyone loves it. It's the, it's the sparkle, man. Everyone loves that it. Motherfucker. Man. <laughs> it's the sparkle. Look, I'll tell you what, Robert Pattinson is just attractive. So like I don't know if you guys have seen Tenet. Yeah, I'm not mad at Robert. He's doing his thing. I can never hate. I had this argument with my girlfriend the other day, and I was just like, Robert Pattinson looks so much better in Tenet and his recent movies than he does in Twilight. Do you agree, Lynette? I haven't seen Tenet, but don't even tell me that because oh. my obsession will come back, and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Trust me that watch the movie. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. But just to start off, you're not just uh, like a writer. What else do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do on your free time, and then where do you work? Okay, so on my free time, I mean, I just like to be outside. That's that's me. I like to be at the beach, uh, go to the parks. I like to like meditate, work out. That's like me 101. Love to be with my family. That's me on a personal note. Um, professionally, I do a whole bunch of weird stuff. What can I tell you? I don't know how, but I got into nursing school. I'm a registered nurse now, thankfully. Congrats. Um, thank Huge you. Congrats. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll be actually starting on Monday on wow. my nursing career. Yeah, it's crazy. Like just regular but general medicine now, or specialize in something? I'm going to do med surge orthopedic trauma. So when you come in with your bones no like way. this, that's you might see don't, don't break right. your bones. That's exciting. <laughs> be careful out there. Because <laughs> if you see me. Word to the wise. <laughs> Word to the wise, don't break your bones. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm gonna start that on Monday. But up until now, for the past for the past few months, I've been working um, with kids who have autism as a behavioral technician. So it's kind of like shaping behavioral behavioral issues, and yeah, it's like been super rewarding. And then after that, I just started to write. So I do a bunch of 
different things, I guess. I don't know how this happened. That's awesome, though. Um, I, you know, funny enough, I, my niece has autism, and I was having this conversation yesterday with my sister because I had seen her again uh, for the first time in a while, and I was talking about how, how, how I would be interested in being an RBT. What got you into that journey? What happened? What, how, what, I'm sorry? What got you into the journey of becoming a behavioral tech? Okay, so actually, while I was in nursing school, I knew that I wanted to do different things, and I wanted to go into something that had to do with kids. I wanted to go into something that was a little bit faster because I was doing both things at the same time. My best friend just so happened that she was an RBT before she got into nursing school. And she was telling me about like everything that she used to do, like the programs that would run, how the kids like you would see their progress. It was like it was very rewarding to her. And I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a go. So I went into it and I'm telling you, if you want to get into it, I 100 percent will say yes. But be ready for the emotional roller coaster because you really like take to these kids. I had to break up with my kids this week and it's like a real breakup. Like I feel really sad that I won't be working with them anymore. It's it's hard because you 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 spend so much time with them and you really get to know them and you build like this bond. So it's really rewarding though. If you want to do it, hundred percent go into it. What's been some awesome. of like the coolest things you've seen on that job? Because I've actually looked into like RBT, not myself personally, but like my girlfriend has and like people like around me. So mm-hmm. it's like, what's like the coolest thing you've seen from like just being around these kids and being able to shape these behaviors? I think the coolest thing would be definitely that um, you start off and you're kind of like awkward because you're just meeting someone new in a sense. And then you become like their best friend. They, they start to see you as someone they can trust. And then you run these programs with them and you're like, is this going to happen? Am I going to achieve this? And then one day they do, they do it. This is the craziest. And then you're like a parent, like one of my kids, I love him so much. <laughs> and one of the things, yeah, he's, 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 he gives me a run for my money, but he is amazing. He's a genius kid. But one thing that he would struggle with was that, like anybody will walk in through the door, he won't say hi to you. Like it's not gonna happen. And if you say like bye, he'll he'll say bye. Like get away. You know what just I mean? Kind of more socially awkward. Like those cues just aren't there. Yes, they aren't there. And one day I I see him at school and I walk up and and he sees me. He goes hi. It's the simplest thing. Hi. And I look at my analyst who just happened to be there. We looked at each other. We we all did this like. And my eyes just got water. I'm like, I've been with him for three months. I finally got him to say hi Wow, to you me. did that. That's so it crazy. The best moment. That was one. Second moment is hearing him say to his mom for the first time that he loves her. Oh, that's he beautiful. Not say to his mom that he loves her. And I got him to say it. He, he said it and she goes, what did you just say? I mean, he's seven and it took him this long to express his love to his mom. And I was like, I had, I did this. Yes. You know, so it's crazy. It's awesome. That's amazing. That's a really rewarding field. And I, even me, like I'm very hands-on with my niece and she has pretty severe autism. And I'm super hands-on and the smallest things like make my day. The smallest little things, like sometimes I'll ask her, hey, did you miss Theo? And for anyone that doesn't speak Spanish, it's uncle. Hey, did you miss your uncle? And she'll look at me and she'll be like, yes. And just that, just that reply is something so heartwarming. Yeah. Have you found more like rewarding, like I guess, rewarding things in the field than uh i guess the the sadness or the emotional like toughness that it is definitely um there is more reward um okay so if i were to do a percentage ratio ratio it's like i want to say a good 
60, 50, something like that on what is patience and, and trying to get these, trying to get this stuff done, like these reinforcements and getting this behavior to be better. And then the small percentage of the good just so overshadows it. You kind of just forget the bad. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. It's it's a lot that goes into it, but then you get these little things, these little words, these little changes, and it just makes it extremely worthwhile. So I would say, even though it's more challenging than simple, the the good parts overshadow the, the difficulties a thousand percent. That's so beautiful. Ironically, we're talking about kids and everything, right? And your book just so kind yeah. of happens to like start off with like developmental phases and like, you know, just ourselves and like, you know, how it is that we go about life and like how we need like different things at different like aspects of our life. Right. And I essentially wanted yes. to ask you, right. Because I have like, I'm living with someone right now at home. Right. So I consider like my little sister. Right. Um, that she's like 15 years old. Right. And that part really like, spoke out to me because mm-hmm. it's like, I can see some of those things that you're talking about. Right. Like in her and everything, mm-hmm. like what advice or like, what is it that you've noticed as much like in that, like developmental, like, phase right i think it was um what was it the industry versus no the um role versus like role versus confusion right can you expand on that a little bit more yes of course of course so this is erickson stages um he's just a super psychologist you know has all these theories and he has this theory of developmental stages that every single developmental stage from the moment that you're born to the moment that you go on to the next life or whatever your beliefs may be um they have, they're important and they have a specific reason or a specific thing that should be accomplished in this time. So the, the role one happens when you're older. It, it happens when you're older. I think the role versus confusion is your teenage years. Actually, it's like uh, 18, yeah. 12 to 18, something like that. And it is the most crucial. It is very crucial to find out who you are what you like, what are your boundaries, how do you feel comfortable, who do you feel comfortable around. So it's very important for our parents, caregivers, and for us to also take the opportunity to put ourselves out there and to figure out where we feel most identified. So whether that be in a sport, in a club, um, the way that we dress, the way we like our hair, all that stuff. And it just kind of... um, like a negative thing of course if your parents don't allow you to do this they don't allow you to express yourself they they feel like that's wrong that's toxic or it just doesn't they don't agree with it and they stop from doing it and then getting older you're not really sure of where you fit in you're not really sure of what you like you kind of just like morph into other people without your true identity yeah really really important to give kids and adults and all of the steps that we need to evolve the opportunity to do so. If not, we like, we miss a step and then we lack it until we identify it to be able to change it. And can you imagine that most people don't identify it? A lot of us don't know what we lack until someone else is like, Hey, do you know that you need to do this, this, and this? And we take it almost like an offense. Like, who are you to tell me that? Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that we take it offensively? And why do you think we even like, as human beings, you know, like we, I feel like we should know kind of what we feel, but like you're saying, like a lot of us, we have no idea, you know, like what it is that we're missing, what it is that we're yeah. feeling at times. We'll take offense to it because we'll, one, we're either 
so it goes either one or two ways. Either one, we don't agree with it, or two, we agree with it, and it's hard to swallow. I feel like it's it's just most important to work from the inside out. And so if that chapter of the book, it goes up until the moment you're born to the moment you're 18. So I didn't focus on 18, 19 up. I focus up until adulthood where these things will reflect into you and I, because this book is more of a mature book. It's going to talk about finance. Um, it's going to talk about career. It's going to talk about love. Yeah, and very mature. Exactly. Yeah. Very so, blunt too. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wanted it to, to be that way. So I figured that it was very important to create a book that will seek to identify you. And that wasn't going to be done if I spoke completely generalized. Like there had to be things that had to be specific. And I know, well, I would hope, at least for me and for the people that I know around me, I can see where some of these things happen, potentially. I can see where some of these things lacked or where they were, where someone has their strengths and weaknesses. And so I couldn't go about a book to better yourself if you don't know what part of yourself to better. You know what I'm saying? So I had to go back to the younger to the younger days. And then he, that's his theory, Eric Erickson. And then I tied it into my theory of how this would present itself or manifest itself as an adult. So if you read, for example, like you're not really sure of the decisions you make that might be, you know, industry versus um, inferiority or something like that. I, I always get these things mixed up, but that you don't you never really had a chance to make your own choices, for example. So that was my idea idea for that part. That was my the goal of that part. I love that. Um, and then I guess like I guess the biggest question behind the actual book is what made you interested in writing a book like this? Whew, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I ask decent questions every now yeah, and then. Yeah, like, I, I like that question. Um, okay, so as many of us, you know, know, like you listen to your favorite favorite song, favorite movie, whatever. Usually the concept behind music, movies, art is struggle, is pain, is a bad time in your life. <laughs> so this book, um, this book to me was a bit of a reflection of the most difficult times that I've had. Um, times that I didn't identify with myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't like the way I looked. I was like trying to prove to myself someone that I was not. Um, I was going through a lot of financial struggle. I was going through a self, I guess, revelation, like with my career, you know, just self-doubt type of stuff. Relationships, just, you know, yeah. not. So I was having these conversations with people that I would mostly trust, like my, you know, sister, my best friends, and they had the same issues as me. I was, you know, you feel like, oh, you're alone in this little bubble of, of, X and Y, and then you share it. And someone literally, most people are like, you wouldn't imagine that happened to me. You you really are not alone in the stuff that you go At through. All. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of liberating in a way. And I actually put that in the, in the book. I'm like, if it's any, you know, if, if it's any good, you're not alone. We all struggle through this in unison. You know, the world doesn't give a crap about your feelings, about your bills, your love life. No, it's going to keep coming at you. You know what I'm saying? So it was just, it was important for me to get this out and structure it, to share it, to have other people not feel alone. And then other than feel identified with someone else, even if it's a total stranger, take my advice. If I'm lucky, someone will take my advice 
of how I got out of these situations and apply it. You know what I mean? That was in a nutshell that that book. Like how do how did I get out of these things? How did I get out of this rut? How can I prevent you from going into it to begin with and how can I help you get out of it? So that's that was my motivation behind the book. Just kind of a difficult difficult time in my life, I suppose. <laughs> what did you like because you said like you wrote it mainly because like you felt like it felt very relatable to you right like what did you learn while you were writing it one okay so definitely something that i learned at, that i am very biased like i'll be like i'll write something down and i'll i'll be writing it and i'll literally do this i'll be like oh my god that's incredible like what you know and i'm just like I know that I'm feeling this way because I'm writing this. So something that I learned about myself is that even when I would say it out loud, I would still agree to it. And so I do feel like I'm definitely in congruence um, the way that I live and what I write. Like they're, they're going hand in hand. So I'm very proud of that. Like I said in the beginning, I would not preach anything that I was not currently doing. And so I did learn that about myself that I'm not writing about something that I don't know about, didn't go through, can't relate to. Like everything is like on that same vibration, everything that I'm, dishing out i'm taking it in you know what i'm saying so i did learn that about myself which is good i want that accountability you know what i mean that you're doing what you say you're doing and giving other people advice to do it that's wonderful i want to bring you back a couple of um i guess months back before you wrote what was the moment that you were like i need to write i need to express this this is important and if i don't do it if i don't express it in this way then i don't know how i'm gonna get rid of this urge what was that moment like? Um, okay, so to be completely honest, ever since I was younger, I mean, seriously, 12, 11 even, I'm not even kidding. I've always written down everything that I feel. It's always been my outlet. And I've always said, I'm going to write a book. I mean, before I went into nursing school, I was studying journalism. That was actually my first goal, to do journalism, you know, newspaper, newscasting, all that. And then I took a left, took a left turn. <laughs> I got into nursing, but I've always had these real current topics that I knew that I wanted to share. Being vulnerable, especially on social media, especially with people that you don't know, is very hard to do. It's it's caused me new anxieties, which I've opened up about a little bit, like on Instagram, like new anxieties that I didn't have before. So it did take me a while to say, okay, I'm going to put something out there. But when, once I was done with nursing school and I was done taking my NCLEX and I had this, um, like I had time to think. Uh, this happens to a lot of people that go through through nursing school or through something big. Once they reach this big goal, it's like this, you know, euphoria, like, oh my God, I got it. And then you plateau. You're like, okay, what now? And that's that kind of happened to me. I had this free time. I had all the stuff that I had gone through and I, I was just reflecting on it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put this down. Now I have the time to do it. During nursing school, I, I didn't have the time to do it. And my mind was so clustered with so many things that even if I wanted to put it down, I don't think that I would have been able to. I didn't have the time to. So I had some time open up and I felt like this incentive to do it. And that's that was the moment when I had more free time and my mind was more receptive and more clear, essentially. But I knew that I've always wanted to do it. I mean, anyone that knows me, they'll be like, this is something you would definitely do. I always say, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book until I finally did it. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what have you loved the most since it's been out? 
because you said you know it has brought like some new anxieties and stuff so what's that been looking like um so pros and cons i think um the new anxieties just come from doing something that makes you uncomfortable which i a hundred percent advise to anyone you know, it's like that cliche thing. If you're comfortable, you're not going to move. It's the uncomfortability that gets you to do stuff. It's that rock bottom. That's like, I got to go up. I can't, I can't stay here. You know what I'm saying? So the anxiety of putting something out there, I didn't know it would come with it. Cause I was just like, go, 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 like do the editing, do this, do that. And then when I would read it over, when I had the book in my hand and I read it over, I was like, a lot of people are reading this. I can't believe this, like this and the other. More people than what I thought were interested in it. I didn't think so many people would be interested in it. I thought it was going to be like me, my mom, my sister to buy it. Like I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? So that's, I would literally think and I would feel it in my stomach. I was like, there's a, there's, this is not okay. And I would like, it. that was the con. Yeah. The pro is actually seeing people, first of all, get it and hold it in their hands and be like, Oh my God, I put a product out there. It has my name on it. And I'm, and I'm doing this. I, I can't believe I accomplished this. Like what, you know, that's the biggest, I think the biggest pro is that like, Oh my God, I finished it. What other people are reading this? Like, this is important to other people. It's not just important to me. That was so cool. Cause I didn't really have an expectation for it. It being like my first project, I didn't have much of an expectation. So pros and cons, just like everything, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. right, it's worth it. I'm living like a little bit vicariously through you because I really want to write a book too. And my book is definitely going to be about self-development. I got, I got to find my own niche in that. But I guess I, the question I want to ask you is, what's the one thing that now after writing the book, after you look back, because you wrote a book now, now you probably want to write another one after you learn more in life. And, and so that, what's the one thing you'd look at after writing that you're like, wow, that's a big learn. I'm going to apply this on the next. Okay. So lifeline is, it has only 11 chapters and it goes through different branches of life. So if the book is not like one thing or the other, it's really mainly, it's actually everything. It goes from the inside out. It goes from the, from fix your, focus to perception to practicing gratitude to um working on your physical strength working on your um relationships finances finding your purpose it goes through that choosing to make a change all of that so it's very general each topic can be a novel if yeah, I it's own book for real it, it is it's too much so my purpose for that book was for it to be like a, a foundational book the bottom so I'm actually working on another book right now and it'll, it'll be out like probably in the next, I don't know, probably two or three months. It's going to take me a while, but I'm working on it right away. And my goal is to magnify each, each topic. So one idea that I have, which is the one that I'm working on right now, starts in the beginning of the book, this focusing on gratitude, focusing on yourself inside out. And I think the first chance that we have to do this is in the morning. So next project will be rituals in the morning to really have a successful life you know what i'm saying so i love that yeah so one book has umbrellaed which is what i wanted the other books that i will come out with i know that like for example in the business and finance part of the book to better your life economically one of the biggest issues with that is getting yourself out there so that's already in the works how to seal deal how to talk to people the psychology of saying yes all of those things are always in my mind and, and you live them all the time. 
You live them all the time. Whenever you do an interview, whenever you go on a podcast, now you have to mentally prepare yourself. How to mentally prepare yourself. So Lifeline to me has given me like this crazy jumpstart, this like, you know, like, all right, you gotta, you gotta elaborate on this because I know that the people that are reading this will probably be like, I need more. And it, it'll now be up to me to give more. So it's really been like inspirational. One book has inspired many other books. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. well, we're getting exclusive content right now on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's awesome. I would a hundred percent tell you, create your outline create it, pick it apart and put it together. And you'll be surprised on how many things you get on paper. I mean, you sit there and you're like, Oh, I got a little bit to say you end up with two or 3000 words in one sitting. Like, how did this happen? You just have, I don't know. It's great. You seem to have like so much energy, right. And like good energy too, right. Like you're, you're staying busy, you know, you're telling us how you like recently got your nursing and everything. Like, how do you can, like how one, like, how do you keep it like pure? Like how it is like, you know, all happy. And like, how do you continue to find ways to put it in the right places? That's a great question, actually. Um, so I think that for me, I just am very motivated by my ability to do these things. So you know, that's like, that's like number one, when you put yourself to to do something and you see it coming alive, you realize that um, you set these, you know, these goals for yourself and almost every single time you surpass that goal. And it keeps you, it keeps you engaged in, in what you're, what you're doing. It keeps you very engaged. It keeps you excited for life. I mean, that's, that's why we get up in the morning. We have to feed this little seed of purpose. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what, helps me out. Like whenever I finish something, I'm like, man, I, I didn't expect for it to get go this far. Or I didn't expect for these things to come to my life as quickly as they did. And so I stay, I try my best to stay in this high energy, high vibration, um, to keep these things coming to me, to, to allow the things to come into my life. You get me? Yeah, but definitely. for sure, what keeps me on that motive part is, is just kind of like, um, mapping it out. And these small goals, little goals, daily goals, and then seeing it come alive. And you can't, you can't help yourself but to feel happy. Even if you didn't want to feel happy, you're going to feel happy about it. You, you can't. Like, it's the best when you feel an incentive, when you feel purpose or identified by something you're giving your time to. It's very fulfilling. I would have to agree. I, I want to ask, you know, when Lynette is not feeling high energy, is not feeling great, what's the one thing that she leans to to then kind of go ahead and homeostasis back to that mental state of, all right, let's see what I can do. Let's see what I can go next, even if you're not happy. Okay. Um, so this one's, this one's actually great because me, I'm the type of person that there, there's many, there's many parts of me. You know what I'm saying? This is actually a really big portion of lifeline. And it's basically to not, it's, it's actually a chapter and it's, it says fix the ratio. So the ratio great between chapter. positive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So it's basically fixing the ratio between positive and negative thoughts, energy, emotions, all that stuff. And it works towards magnifying the good and taking out the bad or doing your best to minimize the bad. So if I'm feeling sad and out, I'm going to tell you this. I will cry. I'll cry in the car. I'll cry making eggs. I'll cry eating the eggs. I'm going to cry putting ketchup on the eggs. <laughs> I'm going to feel what I have to feel because I'm feeling it for a reason. You know what I mean? You can't suppress everything you feel. 
But then after that, it's like, you know, it makes me feel good. I really like to go to the park and I really like to lay under a tree and look up. I'm telling you, when I'm alone, I'm heck of weird. I'm really weird. I'll literally lay there, like just looking up and being in complete peace. Just me and my thoughts. That's it. Um, That's one thing. Just be by myself. There's people that gravitate to other people. I'm, I'm not like, I'm like a cat. Second thing I'll do is play a great song. Get in your car or do whatever. And pick a song that doesn't make you sad. You know, don't don't magnify the bad like to make you feel worse. So number one, go outside, be by myself. Number two, music, music for the soul. I would definitely recommend that. That's probably the best thing ever. Um, and I guess the last thing would be just to vent, which will probably be maybe to like my sister or something. I'm not a super open person, so I will probably just vent and she'll end up like, I don't know how she'll just twist it around and I'll just end up laughing and be like, Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why was I going through all of that? This and the other. It's so important to figure out the people in your life that do that for you. It's so, so important. And like love them and care for them. Like with everything that you, that you have. So yeah, it's just when I'm feeling down and out, just gravitate to those three things. For sure. You know, I love the answers that you just gave. I'm going to, focus a little bit on one that I'm super big on myself that got me out of depression, anxiety, like suicidal thoughts and everything. I want to go to like the first one, which is basically self-therapy, mm-hmm. uh, like looking at what got you there, being emotionally intelligent with your thoughts. Yeah. What are some things you do as like you're laying down in a very peaceful state, doing some self-meditation, some self-therapy? Mm-hmm. How do you break down your thoughts emotionally? Do you like look at how you got there first or do you look at why they're making you feel that way? Do you look for solutions? So for the times that I'm by myself and I'm doing this reflection, there's this thing that I, I would highly advise to, to anyone really, especially people that deal with anxiety, people that have dealt with depression, people that have dealt with uncertainties, doubts in their life, whatever it may be. Um, validate those, those feelings. They're okay to feel, validate them, feel them. But I think it's just so important to focus on the very opposite. And and that's what I do. So I'm going to give an example. If I feel, this is actually something I think that could be very relatable. Um, in relationships, romantic relationships, if I feel like something is not working out, instead of focusing on what it is that is not working out, for example, um, I don't know, maybe this person doesn't want something serious or something. I'll start thinking, Lynette, why am I feeling this way? If you know that you do want something serious, Lynette, what do you want in your life? Oh, I really want a whole big family. I want a, I want a husband to come home to. Why would I be feeling this way about somebody that isn't going to give me that? I will talk myself out of it. Be like, what do I want? If it has to do with maybe money problems, I'll be like, okay, maybe I don't have this now, but Lynette, what do you want? I really want to have this, this, and this. How am I going to get that? Okay, this is what I got to do. I have to do this. And then I'll pull up my phone. Like always, and I go on my little thing and I'll be like, what's step one? I need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. So it's not that I don't think about the negative. It's just that I'm like, all right, how am I going to fix it? Can I fix it? And if I can't fix it, I'm done. I'm done. I'm over it. Moving forward. You know what I'm saying? Leave it Leave it to God. Yeah. I think uh, it's very important. And just to like reiterate what you're echoing, it's really important to go into the negative emotion and feel that negative emotion because your body and your mind is telling you something reflect on why you're feeling that negative emotion, but then do something with it. It's very important to have that capsule for yourself to be like, go and then go. 
go yeah. literally do something now because that negative emotion is not going to be your life. It's a moment. So it's, thank you for answering that. It's just a moment. It's like your emotions. I mean, they fluctuate all the time. If you were to base your life on emotions, ooh, get it, get ready for what you're about to experience. You know, you know what I'm saying? So you have to take yourself out of your emotions sometimes. Take yourself out of that bubble and focus on what is in front of you. What are you actually living? What's actually happened? Is your is your life ending? Is someone, you know, someone pass away? What is your, it's the building falling? Like what is really happening? And is it really as bad as what you think it is? You know what I mean? Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's really not as bad as what you think it is. It's like just any it's just just anything. Life <laughs> life throws at you stuff that you just you're like where did this come from why are you doing this you know what i'm saying you have to be ready for those things it's just part of it a perfect yeah. life no one lives a perfect life so if you go you know throwing yourself this pity party over the bad things that happen you're missing it it's part of it just take it in accept it and move forward just like you say move forward take action change it get yourself out of it so, yeah. You wrote something in the book that I really resonated with. And I love if you can just go like just a little deeper in, right? It says, it is, it is an absolute act of suicide to remain in a state of stagnation, being conscious that everything around you is constantly evolving. Oh my God, I love that one. I, I know I wrote it. You see what I'm telling you? <laughs> <laughs> it's damn good. It, it's, it sounds oh genius. And it's. <laughs> Who wrote this? I know who wrote it. The best author ever. Point me to the person. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it's just, I think it's just, um, it's, it is self-explanatory, but I'm going to magnify it. I'm going to magnify this. Okay. Have you ever met someone that you knew back in middle school, high school, whatever it may be, and they are the same exact person that you knew in middle school or high school? Yeah, all the time. They're the same person. They haven't changed. Uh, any personalities are kind of still on that same spectrum. They haven't really done anything um, personally. You know, uh, I mean, it, it's not for everyone to, to go on the same route, but they're the, just literally the same person. I have close people to me who are like that. Everyone around them is doing all these things just like this. And they're just kind of, they're like this. Yeah. And it's, and it's really, it's really sad. And, it, and when you have a conversation with them, it's even worse because you realize that the conversations sometimes don't carry much uh, weight. And you're like, oh, shit, like how, you know, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how you're okay or how I, I can't be okay with living out the same life every year, day after day, having the same conversation, yeah. seeing the same things, not exploring anything new, not dabbling in any new things, not taking any risks. Like you're just living in in a state of stagnation and you're watching everything around you change evolve progress and and you're not so i feel like if the only things that do that are things who are dead things who are lifeless yeah. you know what i mean we're constantly regenerating we're constantly moving changing having these different thoughts and so if you're not working to improve yourself to enhance your life your the people that you're around it is an absolute act of suicide. You're not growing. You're just staying that same same person, and you have no incentive to do to do more. So what's the what's the point? I don't know. I lose my I lose my sense of being when I don't have a goal in front of me. I'm I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It it could be 
you know, double-edged sword. I have to feel that I'm working towards something in order for me to feel excited about my life. And it's never been any other way for me. It's that's actually one of the hardest things that I went through when I was in nursing school. I, everything was school, 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 school. And I was, that's the only time that I felt that I had a purpose. The only time that I felt that I had an actual purpose was studying, which is why I was so obsessed with studying, going to clinicals, passing my tests. And essentially everything around me was still, everything around me was still. And it was like, it was like this, it was like me, nursing school, nursing school and everything else had like just frozen around me. And it was so hard. I was like, I don't have a social life, like financially not there. I was like, working a part-time at a gym, just struggling every day. I felt that I had no purpose if it wasn't in school. Imagine what happened when there was no more school. I was like, I, I literally went into like this moment of reflection and, and I felt so bad, horrible. I, I felt terrible. I, I feel that it is, it's just very hard to constantly be chatting yourself with something new and, and work towards something more always, even if it's small, do it. Anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, a big conversation that I have with a lot of people in Miami, because being in Miami, I feel like you kind of run into things like that, which is, uh, hey, I'm going to go out and party every weekend. Okay. That's a lot of fun, except every single weekend is your intention to do that. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a really high paying job and I'm done. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. For me, it's like you're a biological being. You know, you, you should have desires. You should have too many of them. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't also have too little of them. You should have ones that you truly believe in because those are the driving motivators for your life. Yeah. So a lot of the conversations that I would have with people around Miami is about like identifying your desires. Are they important desires? Are they desires that matter to you? Or are they desires that have been influenced in you? So yeah. I like that you said that. And I think uh, at the end of the day, we all need some goals. We all need some drive. Mm -hmm. We should identify them. We should relate to them. We should pursue them with passion, pursue them with what we want. And we're also trying our best. We shouldn't be too critical of ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. at, at all the time, because at the end Absolutely. of the day, we are human. Absolutely. This is something that, like everyone, everyone has their personal struggles. Me, I have, I have to meet in the middle. Uh, and this is something that I struggle with and I work on all the time. And thankfully, I, I have a good support system. And I, my best friend, she'll be like, Lynette, calm down. And I'll be like, okay, okay. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The moment I get home, I'm like, where's my vision board? I need to add it up. You know what I mean? I have to work on that, but it's because when I'm not working on something, I feel very strange. I feel like I've been on a go, go, go for a very long time. And so when I'm not, I feel uneasy. So I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I There has Could to be, be a balance. Yes, yeah. There has to be a total balance between that. And I work on that daily which is also in the book. I'm telling you, I would not preach something that I was not working on. It's not, you know, Santo Remedio. I don't know how to say that in English. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's like, like a cure. It's like medicine. Yes. It's an everyday thing. You know what I mean? That you have to work on and find what works for you, essentially. Just, you know, one of those things that I feel like, um, like you're relating to and that I related to and I've been shifting my perspective on is self-improvement. I'm kind of obsessed with self-improvement to the sense of like, I'm too critical sometimes. So I've been letting go of self-improvement in a big way. And what I'm honing my attention to now is curiosity. Ooh, if okay. you're curious, mm -hmm. you're going to learn. And if you're learning, you're going to change. Yes. Period. If you're not learning, you're not changing. 
And if you're not learning, it's because you're not curious. So now I'm like honing in on, oh, what am I curious about? Rather than self-improvement, I need to self-improve. Like I need to look to be better. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it real easy. And that, that's helped me with peace of mind. And yes, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Like just kind of take it easy and just be more engaged with learning, much like a child, much like, you know, new curiosity for the world. And that that's what changes you. Knowledge is what changes you. Things that you know, that's what changes you. So one goes with the other. And one is less, gives you less anxiety than the other. You know what I mean? When you're too obsessed with something, it, it's not enjoyed. It, it takes away the enjoyment. So there's a sweet spot. You had said like just a little earlier, right? That with your self-improvement and everything, it has to be like a daily thing. Or at least, you know, for you, you do believe that, you know, it needs to be a daily thing. What do you say to those that may be like, that just sounds like too much work. Like, what do you mean I have to be locked in every day? What do you mean I have to care about what I think every day? Like, like why? Mm-hmm. Okay. So definitely I would, if I can, if I can reflect on myself outward to this question, it would just be, it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of things a day. It could just be one thing. Some, for some people, just getting out of bed in the morning is is enough because they'll struggle with that. For some people, having a conversation, maybe you're extremely introverted, shy, insecure, whatever it may be, having a conversation with someone is enough. You don't have to do all of these things, you know, all day. Just one thing. Set small goals for yourself, little ones. You know what I mean? Those are your those are your blocks. Those are your stepping stones. Eventually, those um, obstacles won't be there anymore. Those barriers won't be anymore because of that one little attempt to do it. If it was successful, yay. If it was unsuccessful, try again. You know what I mean? So I would definitely advise to just not not drive yourself crazy, crazy over being the perfect person. There is no perfect person. There's no perfect life. It doesn't exist. So just be the best that you can every day. And if you have a bad day, cool. Try again the next day, you know, by God's grace, if we have the next day, there, there it is. Try again. So just little by little, take, take at least one step. You know what I mean? Do, do one thing that you feel accomplished for in a day. You know, we are very fortunate to live another day. And so I'm just very big on taking advantage of that, taking advantage of, of every day. Cause you don't know when it's going to be your last. I know it's deep. I know it's depressing. I know it's terrible, but it's the it truth. Needs to be heard. Welcome to reality. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, I wanted to ask, what's like, because we talked a little bit before the podcast and you were talking about, you know, like now there's like new insecurities and stuff like that with writing or with expressing and being vulnerable, especially on social media, because I feel like social media has become like this big comparison culture. And now like you're judged instantly for your opinion or not having an opinion. Mm-hmm. So what's something that you're navigating now that you're insecure about that you weren't before? Or what is your biggest insecurity as you're venturing into this field? Definitely, definitely. Okay, so social media for me, as I think it is for many people, maybe I'm wrong. It's just kind of like this highlight reel of all the good things that happen in your life. Um, I never share the bad things that happen. And I, and when I mean, I mean, never, never. I've gone through, you know, breakups, ups and downs. You will never find a post on my page that says whatever is going to say. Never. I, it's like if it never happened. Um, if I'm struggling financially, I'm not going to put something on there. If my car broke down and overheated in the middle of the 836, I'm not going to put it, you know. So social media has always been like your best angle 
And so when you when you do projects or when you take the time to actually be vulnerable to the people that know you or that have a perception of you, you you think are is their perception of me going to change? Um, what what are they thinking about this? Do they even think that this is good content? And and then those are the new insecurities that that come forward. Um, I don't know. I've always been very like keep your private life private as you should. And so, yeah, exactly that, exactly as you should. So when I do put something out there that isn't so private, I'm like, oh my god, are people gonna people are gonna know this? And it just changes a little bit. It changes a little bit, like your your state of mind or your perception of Instagram or social media. Like I'm like, if I'm gonna be vulnerable, I'm also opening up windows for other people to be vulnerable towards me. You know what I mean? So I can't be out here telling you how to live your life if I'm not even telling you about my life. So it's like, I, I, there was no other way to create something than, than by not putting myself into it. In my opinion, I couldn't find any other way to make it relatable, but it did come with insecurities. It did come with, oh my God. Like I, I had a portion in there that I wrote about this time that I broke out on like this severe, horrible acne I did everything in my power to hide that from social media. So for me to be like, yes, this happened. I was like, I hated this time in my life. I can't even believe I'm writing about it, but I'm like, I know so many people have struggled with this. Like this, somebody else, this young, younger person or younger version of, of me will be like, Oh my God, she got out of that. She's not there anymore. She's feeling better about herself. Like there's a brighter day ahead. And so I had to, I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> But it, it came with feeling a little bit anxious about what other people would think. Right. Yeah. No, that answers the question. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Thank you for asking. You, my favorite chapter in the book is the whole like um, Hawking's versus Einstein chapter. Mainly because like as someone that like grew up with like his own set of insecurities and still to this day, I still have to battle through whatever they still look like to this day. Right. Um, I remember like mm-hmm. I was just someone that felt always felt and knew that life was happening right like life was happening to me and things of that nature but i didn't have a good sense and grasp of like why or how i should like go about it right so it just really resonated with me everything you wrote in that chapter because i feel like it gives people a good base of like really being able to understand like their exterior and like what's going on around them and and you know how they can be reactive to those things and really like the fact that we're reactive is really the only thing that we have. Same thing we can control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we have is our instinct to survive. That's the only thing we're naturally given. You know what I mean? You're naturally given your your capable body. What do you do if your body's not capable? You're we're most of us are gifted with an able mind. What happens when you go through X and Y and you and you are not presented with mental illness, mental health problems? What do you do now? How do you go about your life? So that there was it was just a small amount of the book that talked about Einstein versus Hawking, but it was just to set the tone for understanding that the world changes around us or changes within us. And what are you going to do about that? Are you going to dwell on it? Are you going to move forward with it? Are you going to assimilate it to be your new life? What are you going to do with it? You know what I'm saying? So Hawking, I mean, is the best is the best example or a great example of that. I mean, his his condition his condition was not his his downfall. I don't think I don't know if he would have accomplished more or less with or without it. I mean, 
he he made a name for himself. He created inspiration for other people that may have that same disease within all of his theories and all of his new findings. Like, oh my God, when I get up in the morning and I have a headache, I'm like, that's it. My life yeah. is done. It's done. It's over. I'm staying <laughs> in, you know, all these things. And then you have these people who are so greatly inspirational, like people that maybe have had cancer before, people that have had an amputated leg or whatever it may be. I don't know. So many things that can happen. How do you go about your day? Like you're in, that's what he was talking about. Your level of intelligence is really based off of how you can assimilate a new outer world and make it to function in yeah. your favor. This, this really can indicate how smart you are. Where are your, survi your survival? Where's your survival mode? You know, what can you do with, you know, sometimes life doesn't throw you lemons. Sometimes it throws you like rocks and stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? Build a house. You know, sometimes you're just like, where did this come from? And why is this happening to me? So I do love that part of the book too. But again, don't take my <laughs> word for it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense for, for me to say that. I hate when I say things like that. But I did like it. I liked writing about it. I enjoyed that part. Yeah, for me, Stephen Hawking is one of those like really inspirational people. I've read his book and I absolutely love his story and his life journey because yeah, he had uh, he had this disease, but it wasn't what defined him. Ultimately, what defined him was he was a genius physicist that developed a lot of theories and explained a lot of theories in absolute beauty in his book. That I mean, I recommend that book to anybody that's trying to get into physics. And the, the movie's really good called? too. Yeah, and anyway, like five times I'm, I'm over. But I love that movie. It's the called everything. Right, I'm gonna watch it after this. And it's a great movie. Get your tissues out. It's so good. It's so good. I and love it. I like that you incorporated things like that because it's like one, one of the biggest like sayings that Jay always says and like we always talk about is like someone took the same situation you're in or worse and won. So yeah. it's okay. Like feel it, you know, like get into it, do what you have to do, but then go because you yeah. got this. You know what I mean? You got this in a, in a big way. So I love the message that you're spreading in, the, in that concept. And writing about that is something that does relate to a lot of people because – Einstein said it best, you know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. When he came to doing the same thing over and over again is insanity. And it's mm -hmm. true. If you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're expecting some different type of results, especially here, it's impossible. That's insanity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That's a big, that's a big part of self-development. It's figuring out, all right, what are you going to do different? What are you going to do better? That's a, It's a big, big part of it. Am I going to live the same life? Am I going to continue with the same conversations, same routine? And then constantly complain that you don't like the life that you live. I think the conversation shift will create a life shift. You know what I mean? Start changing the conversations that you have with other people and the conversations you have with yourself. And you'll realize that things around you will start to change. You'll start to move differently. What conversation have you changed with people? What do you talk about now differently that Lynette wouldn't have oh, talked to in a couple of years? Yeah. When here's the thing, when, when I was like in this state of, kind of desperation when I was just like unhappy with life, I would really concentrate on just not being happy with life. I kept talking about what I wasn't happy with. And I would just say like, I can't, you know, I can't wait until I'm done with nursing school or I can't wait until I get this. I can't wait until I get that. And that was always the conversation. Like one day I would always say that one day it's going to be better. One day I'm not going to do this. One day it's going to be great. And those are the conversations, but my conversation was not, what am I going to do right now? It was not what I was going to do right now. My conversation was not, what is good about my life right now? I was not talking about that. I was always, it's the, this 
theory of destination addiction, um, that was the shift of conversation. Now I'm like, I will talk about what I'm doing right now, what I do day to day. Yes, I talk about my goals, but it's not fluffy. It's not up in the sky. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? How am I going to get it? And I'm doing it. It's it's very different um, to talk about it than to take action. So that was definitely it. I mean, in a state of desperation, your mind is not receptive. That's just the truth. That's just how it is. Your conversations will revolve around it. And essentially, it's not very uh, pleasing. It's not a pleasing conversation. It's not a positive one. You know, so... Just pay attention to those things or pay attention to the people around you that always come with you with a different problem. And you're just like, I was I was doing good before this, you know, <laughs> like change that, too. So we work from the inside out. It's not just about what you say. What are you listening to from other people? What are other people talking to you about? There's so much that goes into this. You have you have, I mean, obviously you do have an idea, but yeah, Jay, Jay says it a lot. He's like, you know, pessimism is self-fulfilling. Like if you're pessimistic, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to end up right there exactly where pessimism is. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And the other, but the good part is the other way around, haha, works the same, you know? <laughs> There's no way around that. So that's the good part. And we have control over that. We, we assimilate into our minds that we have no control. We have no control. That's not true. We do have a lot of control. We do. Because we control ourselves. So you weed out you contribute accordingly to what serves you. There's a time in your life that you serve other people and there's a time in your life that you serve yourself. And this needs to be out of balance. And sometimes the balance needs to be off. Sometimes you need to serve yourself more until you deem yourself ready to serve others. And that's okay too. That's good. It's part of it. It's part of the plan. What have you noticed? Like what, what, as you've like yourself have gone through these changes and things like that, like what changes have you then noticed and like those around you? Have they been positive? Have they been negative? It's okay. So a little, can I tell you, it's a little bit of both and, and I won't get into detail about it because <laughs> um, the, right people, the right people in your life will be there for you. The right people in your life, you can tell them I'm going to build the next rocket ship to go to Guadalajara, Mexico. I don't know. You're going to just the craziest thing. I don't know. What's the craziest thing you can imagine. That's what I would say. And they, and they will tell me Lynette, You've always loved rocket ships. <laughs> go, go right down. <laughs> they will be behind me. A hundred percent. And then there's other people that you'll come to them as your friend and you'll tell them this great idea. And they'll tell you all of the reasons why you should not, could not, or possibly will fail at it. So you'll find your true friends when you start to get out of your comfort zone and when you start to um, need their support, even if it's just verbally, you know what I'm saying? So, um, some relationships have strengthened and some relationships have not off of doing different things. Um, I had a friend, friend, I know that sounds so bad, but it's true that made, has made fun of the career that I've been in, which is nursing, which you put so much time into and she took the liberty to post a meme about, oh, basic mammy girls, you're either a nurse or you're doing an OnlyFans. I'm like, how are you going to compare being a nurse to having an OnlyFans? Like, do you even know what goes into this? And I'm your friend and you're, you're what? Like, maybe if you didn't know me or I don't know, I don't know. So it's, it's really weird how some people, even subliminally, indirectly, when you do different things, they're, they're not, they're not okay with it. They're not cool with it. And, and yeah, weed out and, and engage accordingly. Include yourself or exclude yourself um, your true friends will definitely 
be there and have the positive conversations and, and they're going to encourage you on that. So pros and cons. I was, uh, I, I'm like kind of honing into what you just said, because like what I said earlier on the podcast, people are like always either operating off of their insecurities or projections and they don't really understand them. Like for example, like that, that makes like basic Miami girl thing, being a nurse or being like an only fans, for example, like at the end of the day, does it actually matter as long as whoever mm. is doing what they're doing is doing it in a peaceful way? They're not harming anyone. Like that doesn't matter to me. Like I'm looking for my improvement. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of like that you said that in a way, because at the end of the day, it's like when you start this like path of like, okay, I want to change. I'm going to be more vulnerable. I'm going to have more difficult conversations. Like you bring in your friends and then you kind of see who holds you accountable rather than who belittles you and doesn't believe in you. Because for example, like me and Jay started up the podcast and like one of the things that we noticed were a lot of friends would either say, hey, that's awesome. You're doing good. A week passes by and we haven't really done anything. They're like, hey, didn't you say you were going to do the podcast? Like what's going on with that? Like that's holding us accountable. Mm -hmm. You have other friends that are like, oh, you guys aren't going to do that. Like you're not going to be able to do that. And like those are like the friendships that you look at and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I can't invest as much as I wanted to here. And you know, that's life and that's fine. Yes. That's how it is. I had somebody tell me recently, um, oh, you, you wrote a book? I didn't know it was so easy to do that. You just do that. You know, one day I'm like, I'm like, you do it. You know, I don't know. Anybody could do it, but really it takes time. Like, it's not that simple. It's a whole, and I didn't take a course in seminar, you know, to do this. It's like YouTube. I don't even know. Literally YouTube and Google. I'm just like, I'm not saying it's the hardest thing in the world, but why is that the first thing that you thought that's my question. What, why is it the first thing that you thought when you had this conversation with me? Why, why do you think instead of saying, oh, that's really cool or tell me about it, you would think, oh, I didn't know it was so easy. I'm like, do you think that everything that I do is easy? What's your perception of, of me? Like, this is like, okay, this is weird. The, that was a super strange comment off of someone I've known like my whole life. So it's very eye-opening. When you do different things, you, you'll come across different weird things. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's so general, but it's true. You'll come across different conversations and I don't know. It's eye-opening. It's it's good though. This is a good yeah. thing. You know, Jay, for example, someone that loves calling people out on their bullshit, like when they do stuff like that, like he'll tell me like instantly like, bro, what are you talking about? Like that's, that's something like you're operating off of some insecurity or some shit, Eddie. Like, and you know, that's, that's a good thing because then it's like self-reflective. Then you're yeah. really being friends. They're like, oh shit, I, I understand where you're coming from there. And I guess that's why me and Jay have been friends for so long. I wanted to ask you, what's been one of the hardest decisions that you've had to make after coming on this course of like this life changing like experience for yourself? Um, I would say the hardest, the hardest thing, just because it's very emotion felt would probably be the relationship part. That That's my hardest. And and if I'm writing about something and I'm advising someone of some something, that means I have to do it too. What do you mean? So for like romantic relationships, um, excluding yourself from something that doesn't serve you, right? Setting your standards and your boundaries and pulling through, accepting what you're okay and you're not okay with and living out, um, engaging with people, especially in romantic relationships that will serve you, serve you for more or, or, or serve you for value and respect. You know what I mean? So it's hard to fight yourself. Sometimes you want to maybe talk to someone or maybe you're, you're like, dang, like I just really miss this person or something. And then, and you don't, for me, if I'm writing about it, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, I don't deserve that. All right, cool. I'm not doing it. 
So that's one of the hardest, that was actually one of the hardest things because romantic relationships are very personal. You know what I mean? So it's one of the hardest things. Like I would say, I would say that that has been the most difficult one. Like in this book, reflecting to my life, to take my own advice, it would be that. Say your story out loud. Are you proud of it? No. All right. Keep moving. You know what I mean? So that one's difficult for sure. Um, I think the second, I'll probably say the second most difficult one will maybe be um, the whole economic part of it. Um, the in, practicing delayed gratification as opposed to instant gratification, that in itself is a task and it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress to think about your your long-term goal as opposed to what you want right now. It is very it's very difficult to do because you know you're human you want you want to feel good feed those endorphins Woo! oh yeah i'm gonna buy this and i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna go to this restaurant whatever blow this much and you're like wait lena what's my bigger goal what do i really want you know it's hard to pull back so i think those are the two things that 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 have been very difficult and that you know it's a work in progress something that is a day-to-day thing do you think the romance for you is probably a little difficult because like you know so much you know what I mean? So it's like you're looking at things like maybe too critically. <laughs> I know that happens to me. Like yeah. when I learn something and like, let's say I learned like the science behind yep. something, the psychology behind something, I like kind of get married to like the theories and everything. I will literally be like, like you're having a conversation. I'll be like, you know, I'm part psychologist, <laughs> right? I know you're lying. <laughs> I'll be like, you looked away from me. You're you're not telling the truth. Look at your posture. Yeah. That's not correct. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And also, I'm I'm not listen, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I say the darnest things all the time. I don't know where I get I, I once said that the president is in Tallahassee. I am not the smartest person out here, okay? But what I will say is is that when you engage in more, when you have when you have different perceptions of the world, when you have different knowledge, when you have, I don't know, just different areas of of that of liking um it's a little bit harder to carry on empty conversations with people and a lot of people love empty conversations they love small talk and you're just there like i don't care you know what i mean and it's really hard it's hard to have a whole full conversation with somebody that that you feel like i really want to keep talking to you you know what i mean so yeah it is hard it it's it's difficult I, I think one of the things and I for anyone listening to the podcast is really what I'm sharing. You know, one of the biggest things that I do in my relationship and in relationships in general is was setting the standard for the things that uh, I wanted. And it's not much different for the things I want for myself, which is honesty, communication. Mm-hmm. Those are two big things and loyalty, you know, and yeah. I expect that for myself. So meaning communication, I'm communicating with myself. I'm talking to myself logically about the things in my life. Second thing, honestly, am I honestly going to school like for example this this could go into your relationship am i honestly going to school for the right reasons Mm -hmm. do i want to go ahead and contact this person for the right reason same thing in a relationship i'm going to be honest because my job is just to be honest your job is to perceive the honesty and whatever happens there then we'll have that conversation and then of course loyalty like i'm loyal to myself i'm loyal to my friends and those are the things that i expect for anyone coming into a relationship and that's really the standard that you should be setting for yourself Yes. Meaning if you don't see those things and those relationships and romantic or friendships mm-hmm. don't have to be in your life. And that is okay. That yeah. is a part of the process, I think. 
And that's what people, I guess, kind of like, they fear being lonely is really what it is. Like people fear being alone and really what they don't realize is counterintuitively when you're making those active decisions, then you're leading to friendships, you're leading into romantic relationships that are then more downed upon. Like those are the real relationships that you're going to actually feel fulfillment in. So for any of you listening to a podcast, like I agree with what you're saying, and then to double that down is like, figure out what you want in relationships. And then Mm -hmm. there you really start isolating. Okay, cool. Then I got to cut these things off and let me go pursue these things. Yes, absolutely. There, There is a part in Lifeline that it's in the relationship part. It's called Land of Love. That's the chapter. And it talks about the different kinds of happiness. It talks about when you're in a relationship, you have um, these feelings of love and warmth and this euphoria because you're in love, you're infatuated, you're in this train of chocolates and balloons. I don't even know. The mushy stuff, all the feel-good stuff. Yeah, all of the beautiful things. That's the kind of happiness that you have. But this kind of happiness, although it's incredible, it's fed off of somebody else. So what happens when you're alone? You don't have these things. You have a different kind of happiness. There's two, in my opinion, there's two different. And the second one would be the one that you feel that you're at peace with your life. You're living in congruence with your life. You So you say you're going to do something, you do it. You feel a sense of peace, calm, liberty, freedom. I mean, all of the above. It's a different kind of happiness. But people don't identify these different kinds of happiness. They feel like, oh, I'm not in a state of this euphoria love train. I'm empty. I'm lonely. I'm incomplete. Codependent. Um, exactly. So it's very important to learn who you are as an individual. Learn how you are as an individual. So that when you don't have that codependency, when you don't have that chugging train of love, you don't feel like an alien. You don't feel like, who, do, who am I and where do I do? You know what I'm saying? There's two different kinds of happiness that you feed off, whether internal, so alone, or external with a partner, that should be um, allowed. It should be magnified. It should be taken advantage. It should be, you know, you taste it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's just how it should it should be. You're not always going to be with someone. You're not always going to be with someone, literally. This is a literal thing. I mean, yeah. even if you're always in a relationship, you have time for yourself. What do you like to do on your on your free time? Have self-identity within your relationship identity is really what you're stating. And I think that is like different things. Yes. So important because who you are outside of the relationship and far as what you're doing is very important to then build into your relationship. Like you can't give into your relationship if you're operating at a negative. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, and it's, it's really important to know yourself. For example, I'm going to put myself as an example. I am somebody that when I'm feeling um, maybe sad or whatever, if I'm feeling some kind of way, I like to exclude myself. I like my personal space. I love being with my friends. I love feeling free. I can have a conversation with the wall if you let me. I have, I'm just like, you know, I'm very social. If this is how I am as a, as a person, if I'm with someone that doesn't, is not okay with me talking to a whole bunch of people, is not okay with me being with my friends, is not okay with me going and doing things alone, we're at, we're not, we're not here. You know what I mean? This is also how you can reflect with the other person. Compatibility. How do you know if you're compatible with somebody if you don't even know who you are? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like one goes with the other. They're just very important. Very, very important. Understand your inner happiness, understand your outer one. 
I love them both. They're both part of you. You're both able, you're able to do both. So to win-win. It's not a tragedy. It's not a tragedy to be alone. It's not. <laughs> it's it's kind of liberating, honestly. And also, the worst part of that is that when you do, when someone does come into your life, you're like, hmm, <laughs> do I want to give this up? It's crazy how the shift happens. It's it's incredible how that happens. You're just like, I'm really enjoying right now. What are you going to bring to the table? Now you get to pick. You get to pick. The balls in your court. I'm like, do I, am I going to give up this life that I have right now to bring you in? And that's how you know you're with someone special. That's how you know that you're with someone that you really like when you figure that a life with them is better than the life that you have built alone. It's incredible. We all have triggers, right? So like, what do you yeah. do to help identify those things that might be putting like those things in jeopardy for you? All right. So if I'm, for example, like right now, if I'm doing the whole inner love and inner happiness and all of that stuff, there may be times that I feel like, hmm, it would be nice to have someone next to me right now. That's what I'll think. Hmm, it would be nice. And then I look around me and I'm like, I'm here with my family. What am I talking about? What more do I want? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how it is. And then the other way around, when I have been in like long-term relationships that I'm like, I would really wish that I had more maybe freedom or I wish that I could do this or do that. And then I'll be like, what are you talking about? Look at this person next to me. Like you're, you're, you're amazing. So it's like, it really, it really depends. It depends on what part uh, am I in? Am I with somebody? Or am I by myself? When, when I'm, when I'm by myself, it seems like the triggers, the triggers of that I would identify that I'm living in that, I don't know, vibration would, hold on, give me a second, would definitely be the, I feel completely happy and I'm going about my day and I'm like, oh my God, I've gone my whole day alone and I'm happy as heck. It's so liberating. It's incredible. Like I'll be like, Lena, what do I want to do today? I really want to go to the mall. I want to go to Zara. I want to get an iced coffee and then I'm going to go see my sister. And I'll go do that and I'll like listen to music like the whole way around and all that stuff. And I'll be like, I really have so much control over my day. It's incredible. So I don't know. It just kind of depends on where I'm at. Really. I to bring it back to relationships a bit, and I, I guess I'll, I'll put my like life out there in a, in a, in a way. I, I was single for a really, really long time until I met my current girlfriend. And that was like a journey of like self-discovery, exactly what you're saying, right? And then finding the things that make me happy as an individual and the things I want to pursue as an individual. And then it's what you're saying. Like once you incorporate someone into your life and you see, oh yeah, this person makes sense for the lifestyle I want, for the lifestyle I want to live relationships are not butterflies all the time it's not just the honeymoon phase there's a lot of issues in them and over 70 percent of our problems are not solvable in relationships and that's an actual psychological statistics on relationship uh psychologists have studied there's a lot of problems that aren't solved in relationships so how do we look back understand the person that we're in is not perfect we're not perfect but the lifestyle is, is what makes sense and you go back to the values of what brought you together you know yeah. I wanted to ask a question because uh, you've hinted at it a bit and I'm just like curious because mm -hmm. it looks like it inspired a lot of like lifeline. Um, what's something that was really hard for you that happened that uh, like triggered you to like, okay, I, I want to write because if people are going through this, they need to know, hey, you're not alone. And also like people like me have. Yeah. And every, I think in every aspect of this book, there was a little piece of my life that happened in order to be able to elaborate on it. 
So, um, for example, on fix the ratio, I realized that like I did have a time that I was feeling very down and out. I mean, I really struggled with liking myself. I was trying to find myself. I mean, I dyed my hair 87 times. Like, I don't even know what I was doing. I got three tattoos in two months. I was just like, <laughs> I was trying to figure out who I was. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it was just a means of, of finding myself and, and creating more positive thoughts than negative ones. And I know that a lot of people have done, have done the same thing. They're trying to find themselves. They're trying to figure themselves out. So trying to fill up your days with things that make you feel better, make you feel more identified, make you feel more you. Um, something that was very difficult for me was, I guess, the part of, of feeling that I had no purpose. That was, that was my issue. My, my biggest issue was that. And ironically enough, it was through nursing school. That is like, like everything I've ever worked for. You know what I'm saying? But it's really hard when you have all of your eggs in one basket, when you only feel identified with one thing and nothing else. Like, or when you give 100% to one thing and nothing else. What do you think, what do you think happens? Everything else just kind of goes away. That was my problem. It was like, I only found purpose in this. I gave 100% of my attention on this. And consequently, uh, my sleep patterns were off. Um, health-wise, off my face, acne. I was like 100 pounds being 24, being 24 years old. That is not okay for me. It's not okay. I'm like 20 pounds under. Stop going. Like, I was just not, I was just not taking care of myself. My, I had a relationship at the time. I don't know where that went. <laughs> if you find it, let me know. You I don't lost know where it. You replaced it. That's fucked. <laughs> so, so, you really that was my that was my problem like i put so much into one thing and essentially everything around me kind of went away and then it was it was hard that was that was the hardest thing so it's it's imperative it's number one to live a life of balance so i would that's just just my biggest advice to anyone to live a life that is balanced so that when one thing, the main thing you're not, you're going for falls apart or is not what you thought, you don't feel so lost and so empty. You know what I mean? Life has a lot of different beautiful things that are at your disposal and they should, you know, be interacted with. I completely so, yeah. agree. And Lynette, I was actually going to ask you, what advice would you give to someone listening to the podcast as a last question? But you obviously just covered that and we appreciate it. Lynette, where can someone get Lifeline? If they wanted to check out your book, where can they get it? Um, so it is available on Amazon. It's available as an ebook and as a paperback book. So you can get it, you know, either on your phone or actual, the actual thing. I have it here so I can show you. Here it is. There you go. Little tiny baby. She's super cute. <laughs> Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's called Lifeline by Lynette Santana, or you can put um, Lifeline Difficult Life Changes Made Simple. Both ways will come up. Or you can go to my Instagram. <laughs> and What's the your Instagram? And in my bio. So What's your Instagram? That's a really good. That's a really good question. Super good question. I think. Hold on. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> How do I not know my Instagram? She doesn't know her handle. It's a good thing. Right? You live in the real world, like you said. You like nature and trees and <laughs> shit. You know the birds chirping. So. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm transitioning. Um, it's okay, so my name, last name, Lynette Santana, and then double underscore. L-I-N-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, Santana, <laughs> underscore, underscore. And there I am. 
Lynette, uh, we talked to you originally to be on for 30 minutes. It looks like we went probably over an hour, which is amazing. This has been really, really fun. We want to extend our gratitude. Thank you so much for coming out and doing something that is a little uncomfortable. And at the same time, it's a little bit freeing because you get to come on and talk about things that you're really passionate about. So this is Eddie from Franchise signing the fuck out. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. No, of course. And like Lynette says on the cover of her book, um, it says the revelation that you are looking for is located inside of this book. You just have to find it. Um, I hope you guys um, found the piece of that revelation here on this episode. If not, go and check out the book. I promise you, you're going to love it. It's great. Um, for any of you guys that are like, I hate reading. It's a quick read. I promise you. And it's really refreshing. So Lynette, I just want to thank you so, 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 so much for coming on. You know, you've been a friend of mine for forever. So the fact that you know, you wrote a book, made me so damn happy, made me so damn inspired. And the fact that you were even open to come on here um, and talk about it a little bit has made me even happier. So thank you so, so, so much. No, thank you. You guys, you guys have been amazing. This has been a great experience. I really, truly appreciate you both. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and this has been Franchise. Thank you so much for fucking with us one more time. Signing out. That's it.